is for my Spirit Empower Leadership paper. It's for the end of semester paper, final paper. And it's pretty much the access to interview a leader and get their perspective on their view of leadership, how do they go through the realms of leadership, and also how do they utilize the Holy Spirit in leadership. So, um, I want to ask you about 12 questions. I might throw some additional ones in there, but they're not going to be off topic. They're just going to be for leadership in general. Okay. okay, so to start off with, how do you define leadership? I believe leadership is being willing to um, step ahead for people. Um, it's leading, it's guiding, directing, it's being a visionary, but it's also being a great listener as well. Next question. What scripture helps guide you as a leader? What scripture helps guide me most? Wow, that's a great question, Alex. Let me see. I would love to think that I have a set scripture, but I think there's multiple scriptures that help set the tempo. And then there's just multiple examples that are biblical examples. But it's probably, if I think of one, it will probably be um, just off the topic, maybe because I'm just studying it today, will be Philippians 4.13. Um, I can do all things through Christ's strength in me. I remember that being the foundation scripture for me growing up as a, a child with my grandmother always telling me. And then as I've come into understanding of it, I can apply that to leadership principles. That even in leadership, you get overwhelmed. Things seem too big for you personally, or it's me. But God has already strengthened me to be able to handle situations, circumstances that come my way that I can weather any storm or anything that will come up in leadership. Can you give an example? Of a time when I've been overwhelmed? Yes, and that you applied that scripture. I think there's been, well, I'd say most recently, let me go back further then. I think my biggest thing I've ever done in leadership was when I had to step away from my first ministry. And that was a situation that was like, it was very scary for me. And even then, even though I know I had my family, I felt as though it was really like God was the one who was saying, it's time to go. So I had to trust God and not my own feelings, not my own fears, not my own thoughts. So when it says I could do all things through Christ that strengthened me, I feel like that was Christ strengthening me to make a decision that my flesh would not have made. My flesh would have stayed. My flesh would have said just work it out. But it was Christ that strengthened me. And then even after that moment, not to make this long, but even after that moment, that uh, was a place that hired me up full-time ministry. So to go from that to cleaning toilets literally so in that situation I was always second guessing like is this the right decision should I have left but like too emotional but then after that you know God opened so many other doors to follow that but during that time Christ strengthened me during that time so Philippians 4.13 off that day once again many scriptures but that one because maybe that's the most recent one I've studied that sticks out of my head you Okay, what does leadership through the Holy Spirit currently look like for you in your personal, professional, and spiritual life? Personal, professional, and spiritual. Hmm. Where would you like me to start? Um, let's start off with personal. Scary. Very scary. Um, personal, because when it's personal, it's just about me. And... So the Holy Spirit deals with me a lot more about me, about my fears, about my insecurities, about my doubts as a leader, my doubts as a a person, um, breaking me down to make me very humble, um, submitting to his will. And then it's my desire to want to do my own thing and then battling that with the Holy Spirit. So I say right now, it's very scary for me when he deals with me on a personal level. And the next was professional. Professionally, it's a little bit easier. Professional level, I believe he gives me, allows me to operate a lot of discernment, a lot of wisdom, how to deal with people, how to talk to people, um, the way I work with, when I say professional, it's my job, as that working at the health department, or professional, even in a capacity of working as a youth leader in the community. It To me, it's easier than with him dealing with me, personal. Personal, I feel there's a lot more self-reflecting, um, it's not a lot of, I won't say no vision, but it's more so 
a lot of inner working pieces. But when it gets into professional, I feel like that's when I kick into vision. That's when he's showing me how to help people, where to go, what to say, how to move. And that's a lot more easier to move and help people sometimes than it is to help yourself. And spiritual, I believe that he's doing the work that he's, he's doing the work that he's always done. Um, I just believe it's just creating a deeper hunger for him and a better understanding of his word, a better understanding of his revelation, a better understanding of where he's, um, I feel like I used to compartmentalize who God is. Well, even if I backtrack a little bit, even when you say personal, professional, spiritual, is I'm kind of answering it as though they are separate, but when it's the Holy Spirit, He really clumps everything all in one. So when I'm at work, I'm still battling with Raymond anxieties, and then I'm still pushing forward vision, and I'm still thinking, Am I, you know, moving the way God wants me to move? Like it's all in one. So kind of compartmentalizing this kind of makes it kind of fake a little bit because <laughs> He doesn't deal with me just personal Raymond professional Raymond, spiritual, and he deals with me all in one. So once again, that kind of showed me, once again, how I am, how I can separate, oh, he deals with me here, blah, blah, blah. but spiritually, I've been he's starting to bring everything all around. He's starting to show me that I can't compartmentalize, like, I can have this type of relationship with this person and be jokey, um, say things out of my mouth that could be offensive, but then come back with another person and be spiritual and be speaking life into him. He's showing me that it's all coming together. So it's like he's growing me up. And every day he's just kind of bringing the world in tighter and tighter and tighter to me so that I can't compartmentalize. Or it's kind of like how I like my food. Like when I eat, I mix a little bit of my mashed potatoes in with my greens and a little bit of my mac and cheese with the sweet potatoes. So it's like it's all being mixed together. So I would say spiritually, if that makes sense, he's just bringing everything all together to show me that he's in everything at all times. And it's us or me who separates it and try to be one way here and one way there. Okay. Okay, next question. How have you developed into a leader that relies on the Holy Spirit? So this is just more elaborating on what you just said, but what is one example that you can get that you have to completely rely on the Holy Spirit? I think that it's working with the amount of young people I'm working on being so dependent upon them. That's causing me to rely on the Holy Spirit on what to say and what not to say, how to move and how not to move. Example being, um, we have young people who deal with depression, anxiety, fear. Some young people dealing with addiction. Some young people, parents dealing with addiction. So naturally, I do not have all the answers. Naturally, I do not have all the resources. So that's a situation where I always have to depend on the Holy Spirit to lead me or to send the right people in at the right time for me to know who to depend on to be able to help them. Um, Opposite of the Holy Spirit, I will try to handle everything myself, which would then run me ragged, which would then cause me to stress out like um, I had a situation where a young lady, I wanted to help her. I wanted to offer her a home. I wanted to give her a space to be able to stay. And I believe I was doing the right thing. And I was relying on me. I was, you know, calling the board of education, calling parents, blah, 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 blah. My, you know, me trying to make it happen. But then I had to take a step back and just say, I have to trust the Holy Spirit in this situation. So my place doesn't change. It's my love didn't change. My care didn't change. But I had to take the weight off of me. That was my responsibility. That was Raymond's responsibility and not trusting God. And it's like praying God, like God opened the door for her. Not just for her to come here, but God, what about the situation for our mother? God, this is, even if she comes and stays with me temporarily, what is that going to look like in a year? So her mother's situation got to get better. Her brother's situation got to get better. So that's a situation I had to trust the Holy Spirit, not just to move in a isolated situation move in a way bigger dynamic than what I was even thinking about of seeing a mother get employed of seeing a family get healed you know it just came bigger so I had to trust the Holy Spirit in that situation as a leader but still operate in his guidance into me like his guidance was still be present still smile don't let them see the stress or the worry on you don't bring so much anger and hostility to other people 
So because you're frustrated about situations, you can't carry that on to other people. So that's a situation where I had a lot of the Holy Spirit to really nurture me as a leader to say, yes, I got to step up for this person. But me stepping up for them doesn't mean I step ahead of Holy Spirit. Was there fear in that? Plenty of fear. Um, I have fear now. I have fear still that did I make the right choice? Did I say the right things? Did I do the right things? Have I done enough? Is there more that I can do? So that's why I still have to trust the Holy Spirit and just like, you know, God, I really, really, really believe in you that even if something comes up, you're going to give me the ability to handle it when it happens. So it's not so much that nothing's going to happen. It's more about the when. And when it happens, either for this young lady or for another young guy, God, I'm going to need you to teach me how to handle this. Like, give me the preemptive strategy for whatever may come preemptive resources stuff that I get right now to be like why do I have this knowledge this ain't gonna help me but then when it happens like oh now I see why you put me here why you put me around this person or why you put me around this situation so that now I can be able to be able to help so yeah fear all the time um the next question is who has helped you develop as a leader multiple people um Number one, my first pastor, his name is um, Pastor Frank Menendez. Um, huge ins- inspiration in my life. And he showed me how to lead. Like, he was an awesome man, an awesome preacher, awesome prophet, awesome spiritual father. But he was also a bus driver. Like, he drove the church bus every Sunday to pick up people and then comes back to the church and preaches and prophesies. The same man that I saw who would preach and prophesy, who would tell somebody, that life up and down but to see the same man I would see from Monday through Friday cleaning out the toilet and taking out the trash so that taught me that no matter how you elevate as a preacher pastor it's still about a place of humility and humbling yourself to anything that you consider kingdom or the task of God so that would be more of a spiritual humbling piece then my father, he taught me being a leader once again, like we always taught that men are so dominant, men are take over. My father was a humble man. He was once again showed a lot of humility, but he took care of his wife. He took care of his children. He was loved and revered in the community. He wasn't the richest, he wasn't the most famous, but he was respected in the community. So it showed me you can be respected without being in the front. You can be a leader without being in front of everybody or without your name headlights um he was that guy um as i moved on in life i would say um the bishop craig coach or now apostle craig coach he just showed me his growth and development over time and being a visionary and things happening over and over and over again like he sets his mind to something and he sees it through to completion um, and then right now my spiritual father bishop abraham shanklin awesome leader um i see him as a very much uh just knows order and process and he has also vision and he moves things through his vision so it's just kind of like so I went from someone who maybe at the beginning of a pastor Frank and my father not really being visionaries just being humble servants of the kingdom who operated in a gifts very well to two men who are visionaries and operate in a gifts very well so it's kind of like I've had both sides of it like I've learned that humility and I learned the power of casting vision and the weight of casting vision. And then I also learned the power of humility and the downside of humility. Because the downside of humility, although it's a great thing, sometimes you will not always get the respect that maybe you feel like you deserve. So it takes like, I feel like I should be seen differently. I feel like I should be heard differently. But I have to learn to humble myself during that time. Just watching now. Then here is about with my most latest two, um, well, examples I would say as leaders. They're visionaries and they take a lot of risk. And I've learned that as visionaries, when you take risks, not everybody's going to agree. I don't agree for everything that Bishop Coase has done. Or when he said, I'm going to do this, I, like, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't always agree with everything Bishop Shank. And I said, We're going to do this. I don't always think it's going to work. But that's when you learn as a leader, you have to take risks. And you so it's two part. Like so, when you take the risk, when you take the risk. It's going to be the reward. Like everybody wins. 
wounded flaws. But like I, somebody could be like, I told you that wasn't gonna work. So I've learned just the two dynamics of it. So with that, do you think there's always this people always have different opinions. Some people say leaders are born and some people say leaders are made. Mm-hmm. Do you think you were a born leader or that you were a made leader? Hmm. It's a good question. Can I be a born again leader? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I think um <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do believe leaders were born. Are born. I do believe leaders were made, but I believe that I am a born leader because I believe there are things that were spoken over my life um, growing up. I believe that these, these are just things that were spoken over me, prophesied into my life. So, because of that, I'm going to say born leader. But as a born leader, I would, I believe that God has strategically placed people around that I can learn from. So. I can't see myself if I was isolated from the people who helped shape who I am that will become the leader that I am today. However, I do believe that God, I just believe it. Only leaders I want to believe and I'm not trying to talk around it. I just believe it because it was prophesied and I believe in the prophecy and I believe in the words of prophecy. So when someone speaks into your life and say, God has called you for this time, he has called you into this generation, he has called you to lead he has called you to the nations. That's not something that just becomes learned. I've learned skills of leadership, a lot of healthy skills. When I was working at Office Depot, I learned that was the first time when I was put on top of people and I had to deal with personalities and people not liking me and having to plan and coordinate and do schedules. And when something went wrong, it's your responsibility to get it handled. I learned techniques of leadership there. I learned how to better communicate. I learned how to pull a person to the side and talk to them. I've learned how to reprimand. I've, you know, I learned a lot of skills there as a leader. But as far as myself, I would say I was a born leader. But I definitely needed all of the tools that I came in the midst of this to become who I am now. So what would you say your leadership style is? Um, I call myself a pusher, but I but I feel as though I've scaled back off of that a little bit. I think I came in very much like I see a lot of potential in a person, and I will automatically <laughs> just push them. I, I just and it's maybe because uh, for myself, I feel like no one ever pushed me. I don't feel like I was ever pushed as a leader. I believe I was positioned as. But I don't feel like I was pushed or was necessarily challenged as a leader. And I believe if I was pushed and challenged as a leader, I believe I may be further ahead than I am now. So when I see people, especially young people, I um, I consider myself a pusher. But now I don't consider myself so much more of a pusher. I consider myself more as a guide. Like I feel like I try to navigate people through different paths because everybody is on different journeys everybody's getting different understanding of the where they're at in life some people are in the valley some people are on the mountain some people are in the wilderness some people are in the woods some people are in paradise and it's just about how can you guide people to that next destination so now i feel like i've gone from the person who got behind you it was like go 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 you can do it i really believe in it i got your back i go 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 now more so I'm alongside of you being like okay let's work this out like what direction do you think is best to go why do you want to go that right direction I've been that direction before I don't think that's the best course of action but if you want to go I'll be here with you but I'll let you know there's some pitfalls down there but this path right here may get you there a little bit quicker now I'm not saying there won't be some stumbling blocks there won't be some thorns and there won't get pricked in the bushes but it's going to get you to your destination quicker. So I feel like now I've become more of a guy where before coming alongside of you versus a pusher, just having your back, just moving you along. So. so Jesus is our ultimate like leader. So with Jesus' multiple leadership style, whether he was leading through submission to his father, whether he was an assertive leader and he was making 
on what he came here, what he came for and known, or whether he was leading through weakness, meaning that he said that he had to completely rely on the Holy Spirit. What do you love about Jesus' leadership style, and what do you take from Jesus' leadership style? That sarcasm is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus would give people words. Like, they would say something to him, he would come back with these witty little like jabs and I think sometimes like and I'm and I'm being dead serious I've just and I you know I read that question on the thing and I'm really thinking I wanted to come with a deep answer <laughs> but no Jesus had personality he had personality now it wasn't always like it wasn't like Jesus say something and then ha 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 point and laugh at you but you think about how he dealt with the Pharisees you think about how he dealt with people who questioned him you know think about how he dealt with his disciples it was a lot of like rebuke, but it was almost like a little side comment attached to it. So I was like, it's okay to ha- say things, but you have to say it in a way that people have to already have a relationship with you to know they love you, or they're going to have to respect your position anyway. So when he's a Pharisee, they didn't have like, we love you relationship. But when he said it and he's saying his comments and he didn't always have to do that, he could have just answered their questions, but he chose not to. And so Jesus also, I believe Jesus also operate in levels of conflict. Like he spoke about conflict. Um, what's the scripture when he says that mothers, battalions, daughters, fathers, against sons, like he understood that there will be conflict and conflict was not unhealthy. Look how he dealt with his disciples. That was not babying his disciples. He gave them rebukes, but because they loved him and he knew he was a person of love, they accepted the rebukes. So I've learned that it's okay to say things as long as you say it in a manner of with your heart love. Now, how a person receives it is going to be up to them. They will receive you as this person has wisdom or this person has love. This person has understanding or this person has compassion. But I just learned that Jesus was a communicator, but he didn't bend his communication so that other people be like, oh, okay, we all good. As long as we good. No, he said it like not just saying we're trying to make it all hood but if he wanted smoke he created smoke but he was like but he was very comfortable with who he was um i love jesus i mean we could say about how soft he was and how much he loved people and all of that but at the end of the day he didn't back down and i'm talking about before right before the cross like you know everybody looks at the cross but he was doing things that would have scared to other people when you think about when he came up against Legion, look what happened. You know, the other prophets or the other disciples, they got their clothes ripped and beat up and everything like that. It was Jesus who stepped up to that task. When no one could go to the leopards, it was Jesus who went to the leopards. So he, you know, it was like, this is who Jesus was. He did not back down from any challenge. And even though he, you know, he was the father, you know, he had the father and he had the, you know, who he was as the Holy Spirit all encompassed into one but I just love that he was who he was and he said what he needed to say and then he just learned to let people resonate and then you decide who am I to you so if I rebuke someone and I know that I love you and I rebuke you and I say it in a loving way because I'm trying to help you understand that God has a greater plan for your life other than maybe a sin nature that you're struggling with and that's what you bumping your head up against and I say and you get offended by that then it just kind of shows like how you view me if I say something that's you could consider uh, a sly remark but because I don't answer the way you wanted to answer that's just how you view me but because Jesus was viewed by either he was viewed as someone who was very loving or he was viewed as a threat it was one or two but he never changed who he was if you notice the same way Jesus got on his disciples, it's the same way he spoke to the Pharisees. He didn't change who he was. So I believe that's why I am. I believe I don't change who I am. Once you come into my circle, you get who I am as a leader all around. You see my flaws. You see my good. You see my bad. You see my between. And I believe that's the other thing a lot of leaders struggle with is a lack of transparency. I believe anybody who respects me as a leader especially people I hate using the word follow but if they follow me as a leader 
is because they've seen my battle wars. They've seen my scars. I don't say I've been to a war and then act like I won it without getting hit. I let them know I did get hit and it hurt. And then I fell to the ground and I was down there bleeding and it hurt my feelings when I seen people walk past me and didn't offer to pick up a hand. I like I let people know my vulnerabilities and I believe as leaders, sometimes that's what we struggle with. We don't want to admit that leaders have fears and we do. So, taking that, like how you said, like Jesus had challenges, and then also that Jesus also struggled with fears. He struggled with the pressure of being a leader. So, with that, how do you how do you manage pressure as a leader? What are some moments where you didn't let the pressure overwhelm you and you pushed through? And what is another moment that you were overcame by the pressure of leadership? I'll start with the moments when it has got me um, because it was like, it was through that that helped me the next time around. So I would just say the most challenging part was as a leader is probably when, um, trying to just think of it too. I would say one of the most challenging was when I was put in leadership position, but my integrity didn't naturally match the leadership position I was put into. Meaning, and not so much integrity of stealing from the church or doing anything wrong that could be considered like hurtful to another person, but just doing things that I felt like I was one way here and then another way here. So, in essence, one way in church, another way out of church. And I believe that was a very damaging peace for me as a leader um, more so that the challenge of it was I was conflicted so it's almost becoming like I become numb to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me but I'm operating in the function of still getting praised amongst men and then come back and I'm struggling so and then in the struggling so struggling with sin struggling with lust and things like but go tell this to my pastor or my bishop how will they see me like who can I say I'm struggling with that they're not going to look at me differently and then you take that on to but I'm still getting praised and I'm still doing good so that was a struggle um, another struggle as a leader was when my father passed that was a very hard blow wasn't so much I thought differently about God at that time it was just a real like you start to question like what's worth it and what's not worth it like life can end that quick do I want my life to end here just doing this or do I want to go live my best life do I want to do what I want to do and, you know just do what I want to do first feel like I'm coming under authority have to be here have to be there um, if you start to feel unappreciated I'm not really appreciated the way I think I should be appreciated <clears throat> so those were challenges that I felt like I had and I would say the way I came out of it was <clears throat> was realizing that can I get some water please <laughs> yeah thank, thanks Sally <clears throat> um, one of my challenges um, coming out of the challenge was it caused me to get back in the face of God so I feel like every leader and I may not speak for myself but I'm going to say every leader we hit a pit we get in a rut in that pit on that rut because we still have a calling on our life it forces us to get back in the face of God and then when we get back in the face of God he teaches us our lesson about what we came out of so if I came out of the lesson like I don't have anybody who I can hold myself accountable to he showed me that you're going to need people who you have to hold yourself accountable to you're going to need people who are not just the people who are under you that's a great crop. That's a great people. That's a great work you've done. But you need people who are going to stand alongside of you, who are going to hold your arms up. Um, and then you need a person who's consistently pouring into you. And so the work is always going. I share with the young people I work with um, recently that I believe there's three tiers of becoming a great leader or a great person, period. I believe you need to be pouring into somebody or pouring into something. You got to be putting your energy your time into something other than work other than just trying to get a new car other than just trying to get the girl 
you or the guy, you need to put your energy into helping people or developing something, growing something. Then you need people who are strong on your left and right who can keep you held up. Then you need somebody on top of you who's pouring into you consistently. We mess up sometimes when we think, I go to church and the pastor preaches to me and he preaches and, and I got that word that's pouring into you. That's not pouring into you. Pouring into you is like, I can give you my life experiences. I can tell you what I've gone through. I can show you vision. I can give you understanding. And then when you get that, that's pouring into me. And while that's being poured into me, the people holding me up are going to make sure that I stay coarse. Like these are brothers and sisters that I'm trusting on the left and I'm trusting on the right. And it's going to help me navigate through life. But then in the midst of that, I'm pouring into somebody. I'm pouring out. So when they're pouring into me, it never runs stale. It's like, it's like a, uh, what is it? like a filtering system. It's like a filtering system. And then, but you need, it's like three tiers of people. They need to be around you. And I think at one time, I was just operating as just who am I pouring into? So if like I had a lot of reserve, it's like those big, those big things, those towers of waters, those big gallon things of water. It's just, so it's like they're all in a big container that's filled up, but really all it's doing is dispensing out. It's enough in there to last whatever amount of time, but all this is dispensing out. But you need something that's just gonna be fresh, that the water never goes stale, or what's poured into you never goes stale, never sits still. And that's why I feel like I've developed is I've gotten people, and it's not just my bishop who's awesome, but it's not just him, it's other men, it's other women who I trust pour into me. But when they pour it into me, my first thing is, oh, I just got that. I can't wait to share that with someone else who needs it. So I hope that answered. Yeah. Good question. I did a lot of these things. <laughs> okay, so overall, wait, wait, let's go this way. Mm-hmm. What do you believe is your biggest success as a leader professionally and in ministry? Mm-hmm. And what is your biggest failure as a leader professionally and or in ministry? Biggest failure. Um, I had a program or ministry. <laughs> yes, because I always share this, and I when I write my book. Leaders have fears too. Plug. <laughs> podcast to be dropping on. No, but um, I would say my biggest failure, and I've learned so much from this. I did a program when I was in my first ministry. It was called Friday Night Alternative. It was growing so fast. We had hundreds of young people coming every week. Like there was no anything like this. Actually, we modeled it after something we saw in New York. It was like a um, event in New York where a lot of young people get together and they would do spoken word, poetry, rap. So we kind of took that and used that model in, in our Annapolis area. And we was every week, we was having hundreds of young people. We were feeding them. We was um, picking them up. They were walking to our spot. Like, we was, I would just say how successful this was. We thought there was going to be this big drop off during the sports season, during the basketball. And, uh, football season but it was so successful like after the games the kids were coming after the games um to the um to actually the location it was getting to the place to the point where there were so many people in the building it was literally a fire hazard it was like a fire hazard (laughs) we don't take too much pride in that but (laughs) it was a fire hazard like we it was like it was out the capacity of the, the amount of young people that was coming into that venue was actually bigger than the congregation on Sunday mornings. So it was literally the biggest thing going in the city of Annapolis. So that's the great part of it. The horrible part of it is when I stepped away, it fell apart. So that let me know as a leader. I didn't do a good job of developing anybody coming out to cause that to be sustainable. So I mean, it all rested upon my shoulders. It rested upon my vision. It rested upon my energy. It rested upon my resources and my time. Because I don't believe that as a really, really good leader, that you should be able to, um, if something happens, that everything falls apart once you leave. 
and then to a year later, and it may not have been a full year. So when I say, oh, what happened to this event? And everybody said, well, they stopped. They stopped doing it. Or it's not the same year they're not anymore. Or they don't do it that way anymore. It's, or all the people who were there, they don't come anymore. When you're selfish, and it was about selfish intent from the start, then it becomes um, about you. From, and it was never about me. It was about the vision. But when it becomes about the other things, the vision kind of, understand what I'm saying? So I feel like that's what happened. I never trained up any leaders to take over it. Um, people were feeling like they had to come out of obligation. There wasn't enough investment other than the time of that day. There were some people invested. There were some people invested. But a lot of people just didn't invest the time needed. Because when you're invested, once you step away, somebody's going to be like, no, I'll probably put too much time in this for this to stop. Like, this can keep going. We'll find another Raymond or we'll find another person who can step in and do that. But that's where I feel like I felt as a leader. I didn't develop anybody that can sustain it once I stepped away. The greatest victory would be what I'm doing now with my next gen group. Um, I believe I've developed at least nine solid young people that if I step away, like whether if it was emotional reason I had to step away, um, spiritual reason I had to step away, physical reason I had to step away, or God just says it's time to just move on. I believe that it's sustainable. I do not believe we will fall apart here. I don't think it will fall to the ground. I believe that one of the nine, one of them would rally all the other eight or the other nine that's in full development and they would maintain it. It was time when my father passed, they maintained it. There was time when I had a bunch of surgery and I was out for like a month. They maintained it. So because of that, I feel like that's the greatest victory that you can step away and it still runs. Like, I don't, I know that Bill Gates may be the visionary, but I'm pretty sure whoever he's put in place over his company, like when he takes a hiatus, when he says, don't call me, don't text me, I'm gone with my wife, or we're going to be, we ain't tell you where we're going. And he comes back they still are making a profit. He would feel different if when he left, he goes on his hiatus, he goes off, you know, he's Bill Gates, so he probably take a ship to the moon <laughs> or wherever he, he goes and he just flies around the earth a few times. But I'm pretty sure that when he comes back, if all of a sudden there's no profits in that made, people have left the company, secrets have fallen apart. People talking about now you're ready to bankrupt. He would be like, I really suck. He wouldn't look at the people like, what y'all do? He would look at himself and say, I did not put good people in charge of my life. I feel like now, if anything happened to me, I believe that there are great people in place to step up. And then once again, it goes back to the Holy Spirit trust. I would trust the Holy Spirit would give them everything they need. So I don't think the Holy Spirit, back then, I feel like, oh, Holy Spirit, tell me, oh, yeah, oh, God told me to do this, God told me to do this. Now I believe it's God selling us to do this. So, and professional, it's it's pretty much the same. I just believe that it's a lot of professional things I've done. Um, I think the best thing I've ever done professionally was bringing um, multiple churches together, multiple leaders together, getting them all in rooms who they've never been in rooms before. Um, even now, during this time of the, this pandemic that we find ourselves into, I don't know when this paper's going to be written, uh, but in the midst of this interview when this pandemic going on, to hear how these pastors are connecting, but knowing that I was a part of this connection years ago, I started to be part of the fostering of their relationships, the fostering of their trust. You know, just like any one of these leaders have trusted me with their young people. They trusted me for ideas. They trusted me in their church. They trusted me in their communities. They trusted me with their nonprofit organizations. They've trusted my vision. And there's always been to bring them together, bring them closer. So I think that's like professionally, that's probably my biggest piece. And I would say my biggest failure has been, if I would use the word failure, it would definitely be times when I believe I should have probably have moved on quicker to another. But I've always... I've, in the past, I've allowed fear of the unknown 
to keep me in a steady place professionally. Spiritually, I feel like I can move and grow. Professionally, I got very much like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to take a risk on that because I, I, like, I like to know that my check is coming. Or I don't want to give up on <laughs> health insurance. But I feel like that's where professionally I've allowed fear to cause failure. And it's took me some time to get to the place where, once again, I'm not compartmentalizing. The Holy Spirit is the same one who did for me in the church capacity. And he's the same Holy Spirit who did for me in a professional capacity. And he's the same one who's saying, I will be with you. I am here. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I won't give up on you. I'll always be there. Josh 1 and 9, be strong, be courageous. I will always will be there where you go. So it took me a while to learn that. It's, once again, it's, he's condensing everything in, that he's the same guy, no matter what capacity I'm operating in. So. So with that, you said in ministry, um, one of, you said that you had failures in investing in leaders, and now that you've learned from that and you've developed leaders in ministry. So what does your investment plans and raise up other leaders look like? What it looks like is to make sure, I would think the next level leaders, they're a little bit younger. So I would say I would have to learn from the mistakes I did with some of the, the this current regime of leaders who I do trust. I understand now where once again pushing them was great to get them there faster but this next group I feel like I can take my time with them and I can get develop them on their pace and get them better understanding of not just I feel like the other group I was like watch how I lead I'm going to lead this way follow what I do this is but I'm telling you follow me I'm setting the example. Follow me. Just look at what I do. Model it. Now, I feel like I can scale back. Let me teach you what leadership looks like. Let me show you where leadership is at in the Bible. Let me show you how we can um, navigate through these different troubles. Let me do some problem solving. Let me see what you think is the best way to handle it. I'm not going to give you the answer right away. I'm going to let you tell me what you think is best. And then once you tell me that, let's see how it works out. Once again, I go back more so I'm into the guiding mode more so than the pushing mode. I'm not saying I believe all of my pushing abilities, but I'm more so a guide now. I'm more so along your side. I'm more so walking alongside with you. And I believe that is my new leadership style that this group, this next group of leaders are going to experience a little bit more. And it's not such a rush for our I believe at one time there was a rush for a product or a certain amount of results that I was trying to reach. So it was a group of leaders and I feel like, okay, we got to get these results to show that we are relevant, that we can do this, that we can be this generation or they can be this generation. So it's like, we got to move quicker. This other group, because I have these leaders set and they're strong, I feel like now this other group, I can kind of take my time with and really help them navigate through things and let them see things a little bit different through a lot of personal relationships a lot of one-on-ones a lot of more understanding um a lot more communication so i just believe that that's the difference between the first group and this week that's going to come behind so they're going to get a little bit more patient they're going to get a more patient premium they're going to get a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> understanding they're going to get a, little, a lot more love because there's no rush for a outcome. And I feel like the other group, there was a rush for outcome. You know, this group, I see potential in them, but I think that group was ready for pushing. I do believe our group is ready for the pushing. This group, I don't think it's as ready to be pushed. They need more so that father figure, um, a lot more patience, a lot more love, and a lot more just guidance. So last question. Um, overall, I know you talked about like uh, working with like youth and ministry, and even with your job, like connecting mm-hmm. um, churches together. But overall, what do you believe your life mission in Christ is, and how has the Holy Spirit gifted you to perform this assignment? Oh, is that all the questions you gave me? Well, I didn't read it. <laughs> I don't know what my life is. 
I could make up something that sounds good. But I would say my current path is I believe that it's every person I come in contact with that's assigned to my life. Designating the people who are assigned to my life. And I ain't moving this out to sort of If you're assigned to my life, it's for me, like through the Holy Spirit, to really designate the people where they're supposed to be. And I believe in the past, I always try to bring everybody in. Mm-hmm. Like you're coming to, oh, you must be a, you must be like a person me who, oh, I like to work with young people. You must be part of my assignment. Oh, I like to help community. You must be part of my assignment. Now I believe God is like, they're, they are attached to the assignment, but they are not your assignment. And now I feel like, or I believe, or I know that I have to be more discerning of the people who God has assigned to me because I believe my, for the first time in my life, I know that what I'm adding value to, and that's the first time like right now, but just in these last several years, I know that I add value to people's lives. And because I do add value to people's lives, once again, that's, a, that's that time, that's that energy, that's that what you're investing into someone. So now I just look for people who are, who's, I don't say worthy, but who God is calling me to really invest into. And as they come along, no matter who they are, I just believe that that's what God is calling me to do. So it's like, who are these people who I want you to invest in? Who are these people that I want you to part to? Before you leave this earth, how many people will you disciple? How many people will you lead towards me? How many people will you speak into their lives? How many people will you cause to think about me who you never thought about me? With your coworkers at your job who doesn't even believe in God, when they look at you, if they were going through a situation, have you made yourself available to them? For the unbeliever, how many times have you made yourself available to them? Will you be making yourself available to the unbeliever? Like, if I would say the next level for my life is, it's not so much about the people who've given their life to Christ. That's awesome. Are you available for those who haven't given their life to me yet? When you get around them, do they feel comfortable with coming to you? And if they aren't feel comfortable with coming to you, why? What are you doing? Are you standoffish? Do you feel so comfortable around church people, using that term loosely, um, Christian believers that that's only people you know how to lead? You can't lead people or not, you know, because you only can say, you know, you was like, oh, God said, and then they'll trust you because you said God said, but you said God said to a person who's not a believer, hey, do you even know how to communicate with authority to a non-believer as you do to a believer? So I believe my next level in life is learning how to bring in people who are not like me. So it's easy to fit in with the, uh, a tribe that's familiar with you, familiar with your strengths and so on. You know what he brings to the tribe. When you step out of the tribe and another tribe sees you and they say, but who are you? Can I let them know that if I went to another tribe that says, okay, what do you do? Can those same things translate no matter where I go? So I believe that's the next step of life. Like everywhere I go, I should be able to translate my skills, my abilities, my confidence, no matter what circle I'm in. And I don't have to be the leader of every circle, but I should add value to every circle. Yeah, so. That's the word. That's the word. So <laughs> with all that. How has the Holy Spirit gifted you to the point of this assignment? So do you know your spiritual gifts? You know your strengths, your weaknesses? I believe my spiritual gifts, um, my spiritual gift will be definitely discernment. I believe discernment is my top spiritual gift. And then I would say my weakness, I would say sometimes is, I know it's corny cliche, but it's um, patience. Sometimes I just, I want things to happen when I want them to happen. I can be patient with people more so than with a process or a project. But when it comes to it, I just feel like not seeing and I still I still struggle with fear. I still have a fear of I always think about the Indiana Jones, I believe it's the Temple of Doom. When he gets it in and he you know, he takes that leap of faith, he takes that step into that emptiness. And that's where I'm at sometimes. I just stand there and I'm waiting for something to show up before I take a step out. So 
I say sometimes I believe this is just in that fear of the unknown. It's the unknown of God that probably brings the most fear in my life. It's just God, like, you can show me what's going to happen in Alex's life. Like, I can see Oral Roberts. I can see the success. I can see this thing for other people. But sometimes I don't see it for myself. And sometimes it's like the dual piece. It's like, God, why can I see this for this person that doesn't die? But when it comes from my time, I won't go. Like, I feel like I can talk a person off a cliff. Like, I can, you know, like, oh, you get down from there. You know, like, you have to like, you know, you're right. But then I get up on that cliff and it just becomes me. I be like, just get it over. Just jump. <laughs> just jump. Like, it's like, so I believe that that's one of my, I believe that's my, my weakness is still I have fear of the unknown. Like, I want to see it. And I'm trying to get past that because I understand I, the worst part is when you understand that that's not faith and you require faith. But sometimes I just, that part. And that's why I often share, like, that's why I share my fears. It's because I feel like I can be transparent with you. It's me being transparent with God as well. So the Holy Spirit working part is everything I would say to you right now is the same things I tell God, the Holy Spirit, the same things I tell God. And I pray that he works on me and my fears so that I don't become stagnant with the next opportunity that he creates or the next Indiana Jones moment. Like, I will take that leap. And then if I miss, I trust that God will catch me. You know, or there's something that fall won't kill me. And hopefully when that fall doesn't kill me, there's also uh, um, elevator down at the bottom. <laughs> Don't have to climb all the way back up the wall. Just put me back, back up on top. But, yeah, that's my thing. My fear is sometimes just the unknown is the fear. But I would just say my discernment is the quality that I lean on most often that helps me navigate through my fears. So, okay. so I know that's it. That was the last question, mm-hmm. but this is the last question. So, a leader, let's say a young leader, even... Some people wait a long time before they say yes to leadership because the fear of failing or anything that the pressures that come on leadership. What would you tell? What advice would you give someone who is a young leader, and what advice would you give someone who is a older leader and they're just saying, "Okay, I want this responsibility." I want the responsibility. Yeah, like I want to take on leadership. So the young person wants responsibility, mm-hmm. and the older person wants responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um. There's an author thing named Johnson Maxwell. You may know him. <laughs> he does his, um, he has a, he has a book, but he also quoted, and he said, you can't be afraid to fail forward. And I think, shout out to John. Shout out to John. <laughs> and his five Ps. Um, but, no, but you really, after I, I, I read that, and I really thought about it, that's, no matter what age you are, you have to be willing to fail fail for it like you can't fail and be like I'm gonna stay here I'm not gonna do that like failing means that you really put effort into something like to fail means you try and if you genuinely put effort into leadership and you mess up it's all part of it that sometimes it's not taught like leaders mess up like leaders are gonna mess up we're gonna mess up projects we're gonna mess up um, situations we're gonna mess up people (laughs) And it's, but the core of it is like, where's your heart? Did I really mean to mess up that project? Did I really mean to mess up that situation? Did I really mean to mess up that person? Like, I believe you learn from those things. The people who maybe you can be in leadership, in leadership and not be a leader. You can be put in leadership and not be prepared. Uh, people, people have put people in leadership because put you over the youth because you're. 22, 23, you ride out of college and you said you love God and you don't got nobody else who work with the young people and you look like you know how to talk like they talk and we think you love God. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. That doesn't make you a leader. That means you was put leadership. Um, older guy, older woman, you, you know, you come to the church every Sunday, you're committed, faithful, you pay your tithes and your offering. We're going to put you over the men's ministry. We're going to put you over the women's ministry. Yeah, I'll do it because I'm here anyway. 
you're not prepared to be a leader. You're put in leadership. Leadership is a desire. And it has to be a desire to achieve something, but it also has to be a willingness to fail. Okay, that's gonna be one of your highlighted quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, would would that also be the advice that you give to the older person as well? Same thing. Um, is there anything else you want to add? To what makes me a great leader to you? <laughs> that's for the podcast. Got five minutes. Got five minutes for good. Um. Okay, so I'm going to start personally. So personally, I think what makes you a great leader to me, personally, and then I'll go overall, is you inspire confidence in me. Like, <laughs> so, like, in the beginning, like, I knew, like, I knew I probably could succeed, but I did not have the confidence to try because mm-hmm. the fear of failing mm-hmm. or the fear of what people might say. And I think the scariest thing, you made me do a lot of scary things as a leader. But I think the scariest thing you've mm-hmm. ever made me do was lead worship. And I kind of resented you. <laughs> 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 I was mad worshiping. <laughs>
you are such a visionary and the way you process and the way you think and the way you create and the way you pull people together and delegate like that I I am amused by that. So yeah. Mm-hmm.